Good morning. Uh, welcome to uh, Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, Will Schuyler. Uh, with me today will be Kate and uh, and George. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Mr. T and Chuck Norris and their wonderful cartoons. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi's Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Let's go back in time, we can just hit rewind, what a terrific notion, it's going to commotion. Oh, right. I, I forgot to mention, Johnny's not going to be here today, so we're taking over. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Yeah, that was uh, Johnny's idea. It's a cartoon commotion takeover. That was John. Johnny was like, I think you should take over the show this week, but it's still back of the cereal box. I'm not taking this show. Don't worry about it. No worries. <laughs> Good to be here. Hi, Willow. We love having you here. And we're also joined by George. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Hiya, George. <laughs> hey. Oh, I'm making sure to share with all of our friends here that uh, the Fanatic is on Back of the Cereal Box slash Cartoon Commotion this morning. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a trio show, because Willow, you got, uh, what was it, Cryptic Crunch also. Cryptic mm-hmm. Crunch, yes. So a Cryptic Crunch... <laughs> Fanatic Forum and Cartoon Commotion coming to you live from back of the cereal box. Yeah, this is kind of reminiscent of that uh, Marvel team-up annual where you had like Spider-Man, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Power Man, and Iron Fist taking on the Purple Man. So that's what this is right now. I feel like I feel like Super Friends coming together to battle ju- injustice there we all go. over and, the place. And Johnny is in the chat. <laughs> Hi, hey, guys. Hey, Johnny. Hi, you, Johnny. Uh... So yeah, uh, guys, we're gonna be talking about Mr. T and uh, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos. Yeah. Oh boy, what a <laughs> what a collaboration! You know, it, sorry, Kate. Yeah, go ahead. Oh well, do you want me to do the breakdown now, or do you want to go through? You want to go through a little like you you want to do a, a little thing? Let's do uh, a little thing here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, see, because you know. This was a really good pairing because you've got two cartoons that were based on real-life celebrities that kids were definitely into Mr. T. I'm not 100% sure if the kids are into Chuck Norris as much as the marketing says the kids were into Chuck Norris. But it is a tale of two shows. It was a show for Dad. That's basically it. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Um, And it was definitely a tale of two series. Which one was the better fared? You tell me. Mr. T... 30 plus episodes. Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos, five. Mm-hmm. Well, the, thing, <laughs> the thing about Chuck Norris and Karate Commandos was it felt like they tried to make that a sort of G.I. Joe miniseries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the reason that I think it didn't land was because it wasn't like a pilot or, or an you know, intro to a show. It was literally five individual episodes. Right. And... For me personally, it didn't give me enough to connect with in each episode. It was like, you know, well, here's another character that you don't know much about, and here's another situation that you don't know much about, and there's no reason for you to care what's happening. Good point, yeah. It was definitely derivative of a lot of other shows. You're right, there was no connectivity between the episodes. 
Um, it was definitely a vehicle for uh, some guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, Chuck Norris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think he also produced the show, if I'm, if I'm right. I, yeah. I, I don't think he was involved with the writing of it because... Um, each episode, much like Mr. T, was open with a PSA. You know, Chuck talking a little bit about his personal life and kind of relating it to what's going to happen in the episode, kind of. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it just... it. <laughs> I did a count on watching one episode of how many times the name Chuck Norris is said in a 18-minute cartoon. The answer is 28 Oh, my word. What? The name Chuck Norris is said 28 times, and uh, the episode I watched was The Terror Train. But yeah, okay. an, an 18-minute cartoon, Chuck Norris is said 23 t- or, 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 37 times. Yeah, See, you watched yeah. the third episode, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was actually where I got this uh, screenshot. <laughs> now, this is like their whole team. Right yep. here, whole team right there. Yeah. Just wanted to, you know, just wanted a good team shot. But otherwise, mostly they're they're mostly forgettable. They're very cardboard cut out. Uh, the only ones that have much personality at all are the sumo wrestler, and I think it's Tabby. Yeah. And, and then the boy too much. Too much. And he was almost too much for the show because he was benched <laughs> in almost every fight. Like they never used him. Well, like, he was he was the impetus, you know, the impetus for Chuck saving him because that was the only thing. Is basically, you know, too much would get himself in, in trouble, and Chuck would have to go bail him out. The proverbial damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why? Is that a place badge on Sumo's pants? No, that's no, that's a Chuck Norris. That's a Chuck Norris logo. Oh. Yep. Yeah, they all had their logos. Oh, the car logos. had a logo. Car had a logo. Car had a logo, car had multiple attachments, and I want to say, okay, so here's my argument. There's hmm. there's a lot of people that say things like Transformers and G.I. Joe were nothing more than toy ads. Mm-hmm. Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos is a five-part toy ad. Absolutely. There is nothing in it that I can connect with, and everything is just trying to sell me a product. <laughs> I mean... And it all has Chuck Norris's name on it. I want, oh, you, yeah. I want you to check this out. This is a picture of the actual weapons they use in the show. That's a pagoda that that uh, gentleman in yellow is handling there. Is it? Okay. No, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean the, that, that building is a pagoda. Okay. <laughs> and See, it's, like, got, it's a pagoda with a handle on it. They never explain these weapons. No, They're that's just not, oddly that, shaped. You know, that's, not, that's not even a weapon. A pagoda is a building. <laughs> it, it's usually like a temple or you know or, you know, a holy place or whatever else. They're you know frequent in you know a lot of well, Asian countries, especially Japan. Only um, Chuck Norris can fight with a building. Well, that and Chuck looks like he's got like the jaws of life in his hand there. That whatever his weapon is, it's Some called kind of ta- the mighty tuning fork. Ooh, that that too, yeah. I'm just calling it that. I have no idea what it's called. Well, you know what? Even though we're doing a takeover here, this is still back of the cereal box. So we got a little bit bit of uh, business to conduct here before we get too deep into our cartoon discussion here. Yes, sir. And and I apologize. I completely uh, skipped through uh, our normal bits. (laughs) We got distracted. Um, There there was a bunny trail. And we, we followed that bunny. I do want to (laughs) thank uh, those of you who are our main sponsors or... Uh, Cereal Box Super Friends. Cereal Box Super Friends. <laughs> Thank you, you George. <clears throat> uh, 
uh, Kate Hawkins, Eli Cash, Cindy Kep, uh, Gracie Collins, and Dave Mattingly. Thank you very much for, uh, for being here every Woo! morning and supporting us, um, supporting our bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> And our bunny trails. That's right. And you guys can also support, too. So uh, go to buymeacoffee.com slash back of the cereal box to contribute and to be one of our super friends. Uh, and also, of course, you can also contribute to other shows on the podcast like Cryptid Crunch, Cartoon Commotion, Fanatic Forum, uh, Cosplay Cafe, Ice Cream Queens, all your favorites on there. So, yeah, help us out and uh, be part of the family. Most excellent. And that's why if we pay you the big bucks because I am bad at doing this. <laughs> I get, wait, you guys get you guys get paid? So you weren't supposed to tell him, Willow. Dang. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Johnny sends me pop tarts every now and then, so that's cool. But I, wow, does he? You well, get paid I, in pop tarts. That's awesome. <laughs> I need to get in on this program. I never heard of that. Well, I mean, apparently you guys are a little bit doing. I mean, if you're getting cash and I'm getting food, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a fair trade. <laughs> I guess. And also, another way you can support Back of the Cereal Box here is our buddy Johnny has got some books out here: the Tales of the Decoverse series, available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble here. So, gotta start with One Night at the Roxy. Then move over to Night Rike there, and then also you can't forget the comic, The League of Impossibilists. All sorts of good stuff there. There we go. I I found it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there's the banner. Uh, so, uh, do you guys have any new loot to show off? I, I got a little bit, uh, but I'll let you guys go first. Okay. Um. Okay. So new loot. Woohoo! Ta-da! Kind of on the ball today. <laughs> uh, you are so now. It, it was uh. Pride weekend, well, it's Pride Month. Um, yep. Happy Pride. On uh, on Sunday last week, I bought myself a pair of fancy earrings. Oh, they're cool. So, uh, bought at uh, the Pride Market in uh, downtown Winnipeg when we had our parade. It was actually a really, it was really warm, <laughs> sweating the whole time, and it rained a little bit, which was a nice cool down. Yeah, I saw um, the video that you shared that uh, your uh, your uh, friend that's a journalist made or whatnot. So yeah, yeah, it was, really, yeah it was a really good video. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because like telling him, telling people that he's my favorite videographer, he goes, "Well, I if some videographer I am. I told you to put. I didn't even tell you to put on the uh, the uh, microphone on the right way." I was like, "I should have just held on to it." <laughs> Either way. It's a good thing that I'm a loud person. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I need no microphone. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really loud. So and the, the space kind of, with your voice. Internet just kind of picks it up. Yeah, it, it works out. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, well, okay. So I don't mean to bring bring down the mood of the show or anything, but uh, yeah, yesterday I ended up picking up my cat's ashes and uh, got his paw print so i'm gonna oh be making a sweet little <clears throat> sweet little video for my cat simba uh hopefully in the next week or so yeah oh, that's, we, that's and, cute 
And we are sorry for your loss. So that it's at, I know we that lived for 19 away. years, so I can't really be too mad at the fact that, that you know, it, he, he did have a nice long life. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. We, we, our, our Lucy was with us for over 16 years. Uh, and so we've got her ashes uh, on the mantle. And interesting thing is that every now and then the cats will kind of run around like they're chasing something. Oh. And when they stop, they stop right at the bottom of the mantle where her ashes are. Oh, interesting. So they're playing with their big sister. Well, they got yep. cat senses. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, cat, you know, cats sense things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they oh, yeah. do. So, yeah, well, she she was able to pass in the house because basically it was, like, really late when she was turning. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, basically she just, you know, passed in the house. So, you know, she's still here with us. So, but yeah, that's... It's kind of a nice thing to still have her with us. Yeah. But, uh, yeah so I, 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 I'm sorry for your loss, Willow. That's that's I don't know. That's a tough thing. It it is tough, and it, like he, it, it's evident that he was the loudest one in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully he'll still be there. He'll come by and visit from yeah. time to time. Well, Kate, uh, you got some new loot. I do. I got a Thundar the Barbarian pop figure. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I really like the sculpt on this guy. He looks very much like it took, they came right out of the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good and, job on the sun sword there, too. Uh, look at that. It's cool look. I know. It's almost glowing. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a Hobgoblin pop figure. Ooh! Yeah. I, I wanted this since it came out, but I was waiting for the right time. And this was at a video store that I frequent, so... Far out? Perfect timing, you know. Gotta love those new and used stores. And then this is a G.I. Joe uh, Super 7. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I collect these as though they're art. So I I do hang them up like this. And this is Snake Eyes in his ninja outfit. It's Mm -hmm. because he did have, like, the regular uh, gun-toting commando. But this guy's got the sword. So, yeah, well, this this was the later seasons and whatnot where they changed over to the new toys. But, yeah, they've done other sculpts of him and his, like, the earlier versions of the cartoon. Right. And... I think that was from the first miniseries, and then it was, like, second and onward he had the regular sort of ninja outfit. Yeah. I think yeah. that was how it was, because I did start the second miniseries a little while ago. Yeah, actually, um, but matter of fact, they've even done, uh, Super 7's even done toys of uh, the first miniseries, uh, the... Oh, I can't remember what it was. The mass destruction machine or whatever else. And uh, there's a part where Snake Eyes gets irradiated, kind of like kind of like a Mr. Spock in uh, Wrath of Khan 2. He gets oh. irradiated, and uh, a uh, Eskimo uh, character helps him. And yes, kind of, you know, yeah, I so, remember. That was in the first miniseries. Um, yeah, so they did an action figure set of the Eskimo guy with the Snake Eyes that's all like kind of glowing, and he has like an irradiated canister that's also glowing and stuff like that. I so, did not know that. That is cool. Yeah, yeah Super 7 is really... Cause, Super 7 has the license for the cartoon, but not the Real American Hero toy line. So basically, all their designs have to be based on the cartoon look. Okay, that's that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I like that better, because I collect all the cartoon figures, you know? Yeah, there you go. So it just fits. It fits my collection. <laughs> I didn't really care much for the Cobra Commander they did with the Scepter and the Cape, though, because the Cape was so... I mean... Like, the Scepter and everything. I love Cobra Commander as a villain. He's a great character. Mm. And, but the Scepter... Okay, so the Scepter was cool, but the cape was like a piece of fabric like they used to be, and it was just so... It wasn't like a molded cape? Like, if you could have just done just a little more detail on that. Mm-hmm. Like, may, maybe even buttons, like where it would pin on, you know? Yeah. Just something. 
But otherwise, you know, because I already had the regular Cobra Commander. And I wasn't going to pick up the one with the cape if the cape looked like it was <laughs> just pinned on there. Well, the Scepter and Cape one's hilarious because basically that's, that's uh, Cobra Commander getting a little overzealous with his victory before he actually won. That and, was hilarious. Uh, declaring himself the winner, and it's like, and then basically G.I. Joe busts in and, you know, messes up he the cape. He throws the Scepter at Destro. Yeah. And he's not. He <laughs> Stop sputtering him. like a wet toaster! <laughs> he hits him in the back of the head with the Scepter, and you hear this, like, gong sound effect, and, and, and he falls down because his head rings like a bell. I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that was a good show. That is good stuff. Well, I got some new loot myself here, of course. Uh, shock of shocks, it's all comic book form here, so I'll put myself up full here. Oh, yeah. So, got a little bit of He Man stuff here that came in the shop. Ooh. So, this is the first issue of the DC miniseries, uh, shortly after He Man was introduced as a toy line and everything else. So, uh, there's an issue of DC Comics Presents. Uh, where he, basically Superman, uh, who was always basically one half of the team, and then he was always teamed up with another DC hero. This time he gets transported to Eternia, and at first Skeletor manipulates Superman into fighting He-Man, telling him he's the bad guy. Superman kind of figures it out pretty quickly, then he and He-Man team up and beat up Skeletor. And then that kicks off this three-issue miniseries. Then very shortly, Marvel got the imprint for their Star Comics line, uh, which were made for kids, and also everything had like a cartoon property to kind of go along with it. So uh, there was a 12-issue miniseries uh, for Master Universe for Star and Marvel Comics. I had the first issue. There's number two with the Rock Lords. Slime Pit for number three. Uh, I always loved the slime pit. That was a great place as a kid. Messed up your figures, but who cares? It was awesome. <laughs> One of my favorite covers here, the 25th anniversary uh, uh, frame cover here that Marvel did with all their books. And this one got Hordak, which that is awesome. You'll get a lot of Hordak covers there. And number five. And, uh, uh, Cade, a uh, dollar if you can guess the name of this vehicle. Oh. Uh. Yeah. yeah crab attack? <laughs> uh, Rotar. Rotar. That's awesome. I love it. And then issue 10. So I, so I got the first five issues and then jumped to issue 10 here. So I've got a, a few more to fill in there. But, uh, yeah, I was excited about finding all of those. Uh, fortunately, coming down. It's a, that's the great. They, they came to me. I didn't have to go buy them. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've only seen, like, maybe five episodes of He-Man. So. <laughs> it, it was a pretty uh, steady. Basically, He-Man and G.I. Joe were extremely steady diets for me back in the day. So Well, that's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I plan to talk about He-Man eventually, but it's going to be a lot of research. Yeah, and of course we're going to talk G.I. Joe coming up uh, yes, we are. in, was it August? Yeah, so. Uh, i got to check my schedule, but I believe you're right. Yeah, you're going to be on my show <laughs> next month, and I'm going to be on your show in August. So we're talking, <laughs> so. Actually, I think you're joining me to talk about Freakazoid. I, that too. But we haven't planned out when then, but anyway. <laughs> all, all types of uh, action happening at back of the cereal box folks make sure that you guys pay attention and uh follow us uh, wherever we are Absolutely. on social media uh so in the chat we have uh lots of comments oh yeah uh, let's, let's talk to our friends here <laughs> gabe mattingly says i pity the fool that don't like chuck norris jokes <laughs> <laughs> that's a good combo there dave nice dave uh and he's yeah in my opinion, Jackie Chan Adventures trump both of these shows. 
That's and true. That I was will a... have to agree. <laughs> yeah, Jackie Chan Adventures is a good show. That was later, though. So we, we're yeah. talking. We're talking what years apart? You know yeah. what? I am actually surprised that uh, 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 I, there was a Rambo show, but I'm uh, I am actually surprised that uh, there wasn't more action stars that got their cartoons. Now, the only thing that the only thing that surprised me about that was that Jackie Chan, like, okay, so in both of these shows, Mr. T voiced Mr. T, right. Chuck Norris voiced Chucky Norris, uh, Chuck, <laughs> Chucky Norris, Chuck Norris voiced Chuck Norris, but then in Jackie Chan Adventures, Jackie Chan did not voice Jackie Chan, and Stallone did not voice Rambo. Well, there you go. So there you are. There's some competition right there. We got we got some star power in these specials. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. So. <laughs> So, Chuck Norris was born May 6, 1945. Nazi Germany surrendered in May 7th. On May 7th, 1945. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. That's one of my favorite (laughs) Chuck Norris jokes. Uh (laughs) I love it. Uh, Uh, And uh, good morning, Dave Mattingly, as well. Uh, Aubrey! Hello. Hello, Aubrey. Oh, we got Clyde Hall in here. Good morning to you, Clyde Hall. <laughs> morning, well, we Clyde. Got a lot of comments, so I apologize if I skip through. Um, yeah. Oh, Zent- uh, Zentron. It was hun- uh, funny to hear Frank uh, Frank Welker break characters' voice occasionally in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, uh, that's what they love. If Frank Welker was involved uh, with the Chuck Norris Karate Commando show, played some of the villains. Was he Super Ninja? I think was the probably it, it was Super Ninja I, or I Claw. One of the I two. I didn't look into Frank's roles, but those characters. Oh goodness, we have some things to talk about in regards to those characters. <laughs> but I, oh. and John, Johnny's in the chat. Peek just in time to see that thunder pop. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> oh, and uh, Dave Manley chiming in earlier says uh, the thought we got paid in cereal. So Johnny <laughs> Johnny gets paid in cereal. So man, it works out for him. And Aubrey is uh, with me on Yay Pop Tarts. So yes, matter of fact, <laughs> see uh, what's oh, in yes. the bowl for me. Uh, I'm doing wild berry pop tarts. So, I was normally a fan of the wild cherry Pop-Tarts that are out for a while, because I also really like the design, um, but they did away with those, and now we just have just the wild berry, and it's kind of the same thing, but, I don't know, wild cherry just sounded cool. You're going to add a Pop-Tart review special to your show? <laughs> Ooh, that would be awesome. Yes, because the ultimate flavor is unfrosted strawberry. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. And I'm sure you're going to have some, you know, discourse on that, some some comments. <laughs> uh, it may be. I know. It's, you know, you know uh, toasted, untoasted, frozen, not frozen, you know. My favorite was always brown sugar cinnamon. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Uh, they have a, um, uh, somebody made a, like, cremate or something like that. It has a uh, coffee creamer that's brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tart flavor. Oh. Now I got like a brown sugar cinnamon zero sugar pump thing that I pump into my coffee every morning. So okay, that works. Yeah. It's kind of like an it's kind of like an update. Yeah, and but... speaking of uh, cinnamon, yeah, uh huh, that is awesome. Graham. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it it's just like graham cracker cereal. Wait, um, like, is, is there, could you like pull out a piece and show us? Like, is there a is there a size difference? <laughs> 
It I, from memory, I think it's about the same size. There you go, Will. I got you. Up yeah. Yeah, it's the okay. same size there, but okay. It just basically it's to it me the a little more like graham cracker. It's, yeah, it's cinnamon graham cracker. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is called cinnagraham. But yeah, I mean that's the it's it's literally like it's like golden grams also dusted with cinnamon toast crunch cinnamon. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. good. It's a oh, good yeah. cereal. Um, it's, it's bomb. And then I also raided the dollar store yesterday uh, and picked up some snacks and found these little happy spring bowls uh, uh. with the uh, cocoa. Uh, they're like pure, they're like those happy, like uh they're like pirouettes. Swing. Yeah, they're good, and I'm gonna taste it, see if it goes good with my coffee. Oh, there you go. Try, try and use it like a straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the new version of Will It's cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Will it suck up coffee Ooh. like a straw? That's a really weird question, but it we could try. Um, the the chocolate's inside it, so. I'm, it, it might, but I think the cookie will get soggy before that. But will the co- will the chocolate melt and it get sucked mm. up like a straw? Mm. No, Maybe. it just it just looks too much like a straw. Not to ask that st- silly yeah. question. Come on. Well, oh. Starbucks uh, Starbucks used to uh, have these like um, cookie straws. Um, okay. Similar, a similar type uh, type of thing, but yeah, they. But it would get soggy way too fast before you finish your drink. So I used to get for my for my coffee. I used to get these things from I think it was TJ Maxx. They were they were chocolate spoons. I and, those, yeah. And the spoons are like literally made of chocolate, and you could stir you know your coffee, and it would melt into the coffee. But the problem is that most of the time, it never made it to the coffee cup before I ate it. I just well, ate spoons. I'm not much of a, ch- you know, a chocolate with coffee. I mean, you know, like a, like a mocha thing from now and then. But, yeah, most of the time, um, you know. Well, yeah. I would drink the coffee, but then I would just chomp on the spoon. <laughs> uh, uh, Aubrey's also got another uh, comment here saying, Happy Pride. Happy Pride to you, Aubrey. Uh, Dave Manley uh, letting us know, uh, this weekend in Louisville, Kentucky is Wonderfest, which is a fantastic convention. Uh, that's mostly based around special effects and model building. And uh, when I say model building, I'm not just talking like going and getting like a kit at Walmart. Like these are like movie set, like replicas in small forms or sculptures. I mean, some of this stuff is beautiful. So check out Wonderfest on Facebook. You can see some of their uh, pictures they've got posted. Uh, and a lot, or just hashtag Wonderfest, uh, and you can see some of the other things that other people have posted for their pictures. That there's some beautiful stuff there. Uh, but a big get this week is uh, they have got Will and Holly from the classic uh, Sid and Marty Croft show, Land of the Lost. Wow. So, yeah. So there, there's there, there's a I saw a friend of mine was in line to get tickets uh, for this weekend show, and it took him like an hour to get to like at the halfway point and it was still like a huge line. So like, this is going to be a popular show this year. So that's in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend. I will have to live vicariously through Dave uh, and stalk his page for all the pictures. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Most excellent indeed. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So it's some good stuff here, but all right, we have got 
some cartoons we've got to talk about. Yes, yes we do. <laughs> so, so I, I, you guys spent a lot more time than I did on these cartoons, and I, how, are, how are your brains? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean... <laughs> Mine's mostly full of tapioca, but uh, that tapioca is able to uh, hold in a lot of information. It's kind of like a liquid protein uh, storage, um, so it works that way. Yeah, so I, my my head is filled with a ton of useless information, and of course, growing up with this stuff, I mean, basically seeing it in real time come out and fail in some cases. Uh, looking at you, Chuck, uh, you know. It's kind of easy to you know retain a lot of this information because yeah, I just remember as a kid. So yeah, uh, like I, I watched the Mr. T show, uh, both the cartoon and the live action show uh, before all this, and I'm just like the, the the Chuck Norris one definitely is like the worst of them all, oh. but. <laughs> Oh boy! I made a joke to a friend of mine uh, that said they should have changed the name to instead of Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, it's Chuck Norris Bored and Confused. <laughs> that is a nice change. That that would fit the show. The thing about Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris plays Chuck Norris in everything Chuck Norris does. So well, there, there is no change in his performance. If you've seen Good Guys Wear Black, if you've seen Firewalker, if you've seen the entirety of Walker, Texas Ranger, or if you just see him in the Total Gym commercials, Chuck Norris <laughs> is Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris. You're not wrong. I just think that Mr. T also is Mr. T in everything he does. He just does it better. Exactly. He's got a lot more charisma. and he His had a personality lot more... shines through. It's, it, it you really show does. up for that. You show up for that. Like, um, we got a picture here. This uh, is uh, Mr. T's cartoon. And, you know, I read in, oh, what's it? Retrofan. I read in Retrofan that they actually had to change the name from the MR, like, mm -hmm. dot to the full spelling of Mr. Because the network wanted a share of that, uh, those, um, well, the the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they couldn't get it because they're calling it. Yeah, but they couldn't call it with MR.T because basically Mr. T owned that name. But, yeah, you're right. If they spilled out Mr. T, then they can make some money off of it. I Okay, wait a minute. This picture's messed up. Is that is there two Jeffs? It looks it like kinda, there's two Jeffs. It kind of does. I mean, there, there was, like, that many kids there. But, yeah, it does, it does look like there. But, I want to I say this is the actual logo. And I'm pretty sure there's accidentally two Jeffs. <laughs> That's interesting. So but Jeff say, is the one with the with the you know he's got like the red hair right there. Yeah. Now I remember the dog. Brown. I remember the dog was Dozer. Who's the little kid that's the Mr. T look like? Yeah, I call him Mini T. Uh, yeah. His name is Spike. Spike. That's what it was. Yeah. And but here's a picture from the show. Yeah. But see, Spike was a really good example of Mr. T's reach because that's the thing is that when Mr. T debuted on the pop culture stage he was a hit from the word go because he was bigger than life big personality all the chains all the muscles the hair everything you had not seen anything like this guy before and you know basically you see basically if you saw like rocky three or if you're a wrestling fan saw him team up with hulk hogan at wrestlemania you know you're like oh my god who is this dude 
And then, of course, you get to hear him talk. He sounds like a big, tough guy. But he's also, like, giving a lot of positive messages and uplifting encouragement messages to kids. You know, stay in school, stay off drugs, listen to your mom, listen to your teachers. You know, stuff like that. And... Yeah, it just he was just you know bigger than life, and everybody wanted to be Mr. T. So that's this little kid who basically wanted to be Mr. T was every child in the eighties. I I can understand that. I think the only trouble I have with Spike's that he's kind of delusional. Um, yeah, he he like follows as a you know the hero example, but then like Mr. T's like oh you're. You're doing the right thing. You're following the right person, you know, Mr. T. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, don't play a hero, man. Don't be a hero. <laughs> so there were some mixed <laughs> messages going in there. But yeah. I, I do I do understand the reach appeal. That's that's true. And yeah. he wasn't, like, a terrible character. He wasn't, like, too much where too much <laughs> was literally too much. He was always present. Um, well, but you know something? I didn't actually do the breakdown of this show. You want to do that real quick? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so Mr. T aired from September of 1983 to October of 1985, a grand total of 30 episodes in three seasons. It set him up as the coach of his own gymnastics team Mm -hmm. that travels and winds up on many mysterious cases, solving mysteries together. And the thing is that they didn't act like that was a totally different gig at all. They treated mystery solving as though it was a part of being a gymnast, a, a gymnast, mm-hmm. and and it's it's kind of it's a fun take. It's it's very fun, but mm-hmm. it, you can see the comparisons to things like Scooby Doo and Josie and the Pussycats. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, definitely. Uh, I just I think the thing that this show really had going for it was Mr. T's personality. Absolutely. And seasons are a strange thing also, because Top Cat only had one season with the same amount of episodes. Mm-hmm. And you can hear more about that on June 17th on my show next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. But as for T, Plug. this was a Saturday morning show that took advantage of that star power. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, 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 each show opened and closed with a live action you know, Mr. T interstitial that was kind of like, you know, giving you a little bit of a, you know... PSA message, tying his message in with what the, was going on with the episode, that sort of thing like that. The Chuck Norris Karate Commando show did the exact same thing. I don't think they executed it as well as Mr. T did. The morals did not connect for me. I, I didn't understand why some of the, like you were telling me before the show started, one of them was um, I don't resort to violence, but literally... The entire episode was nothing but violence. There was no, <laughs> there was no reason to tell the, you know, the audience. But hey, I digress. I digress. Back to Mr. T. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite parts of Mr. T was the fact that he almost never used a door. Uh, <laughs> he really liked to break them. Well, yeah. I mean, he could kick them down. My favorite was the uh, the mystery of the gold medal, or the, the mystery of the missing gold medal, or something like that. I think that is this episode, actually. I yeah, think. and he, is that the one where he kicks down like the door of a vault, like a bank? No, vault? no, that was much later. I think that okay, was okay. Uh, that was the ninja episode. The mystery of the uh, mystery of the ninja, or something. It was just yeah, yeah. It was very simple. <laughs> but um, yes, but it's like they, they just they positioned Mr. T as a encourager and a coach and a leader, and but also as having superhuman strength. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice? I I got okay. So a little tangent here, but did you notice, George, that most mm-hmm. of the mysteries actually involve some sort of modern tech? Mm-hmm. 
it was interesting to me that most of the mysteries were like, I, I mean, the ninja, for example, was actually a movie pirate. Yeah. And I find it ironic that a ninja could be a pirate. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, ninjas are hired to do all sorts of things. And, you know, assassinations can be one of them, but also thievery can be another. So, and of course, you know, the movie piracy back in the day was you went into the theater with a camcorder and, you know, <laughs> hunk, hunker down low and there you well, go. So. the ninja was stealing like a movie in progress. So it was actually... It was a little bit more effort on his part, I gotta say, but <laughs> that was with the vault. Like, he had to kick the vault door down. And I, I did share a picture or a gif of that on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook, so if you guys want to see that, that is on there. It's really interesting that they gave him, like, the superhuman strength. I think it's it's cool, but it's also, like the reason I watched it because it was mm -hmm. so over the top oh yeah that it actually it, it made me um, it, it, it caused me great amounts of laughter to just watch this man absolutely destroy things yeah for the so, for simple reasons so do you guys think that the Chuck Norris show would have been better had say Jean-Claude Van Damme been cast in that role instead? <laughs> well, at the time, Jean-Claude Van Damme wasn't even a thing. Um, he didn't come, really start becoming a star until, like, like Bloodsport, I think it was like 85, that was his breakout role. But yeah. he didn't really start becoming a, a, a known star until, like, the late 80s, the early 90s. Uh, like, especially, like, Universal Soldier and Time Cop were big movies yeah. for him. Uh, and those were, like I said, yeah, late 80s, early 90s there. So, um... I, I don't think the the problem with Chuck Norris was entirely Chuck Norris's performances. The problem was uh, the main reason why his show didn't go past five episodes is standards and practices. Uh, with Ruby Spears was basically like your show is too violent, mm -hmm. and you know it's it basically and it's realistic violence like GI Joe and whatever else. The problem we have with that is that, you know, while G.I. Joe is, are there are fictional military characters, you're a real person. And you are Chuck Norris. And you're not playing a character, you're playing yourself. And you're the leader of this elite military team. Well, and I think that's a good argument because what we have here is, like, both shows had a pretty decent amount of violence. I mean, there were times where the kids in Mr. T were flipping over and kicking guys in the face on screen. There was not, there, there was no separation of scenes from that happening. So, uh, arguably, it could be just that they had better writing. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, yeah. the Chuck Norris crew used weaponry. They had vehicles with, you know, weaponry and gadgets uh, and stuff yes, like that, too. but uh, look at the weapons. <laughs> okay, well, his apprentice there, that's... The, the weapon he's holding, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a club, but it's in the shape of a pagoda, which is which is a building. Um, and then Chuck there looks like he's holding a Jaws of Life, or some kind of like tongs or something. The magical tuning fork of destiny. <sighs> he, that's oh, and, what and, Chuck is using. He, and since he's also a musician. Yes. And since we're talking Chuck Norris here, Andrew Milden has got some, uh, some fire comments here <laughs> we got to bring up here. Our friend Andrew Milden here. Chuck Norris doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he wants. <laughs> and then uh, another one from Mr. Milden here. Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he has never cried. Yeah, I can see that. 
I can see that. He can't he can't cry. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. We we love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, and, and Johnny's making a good point here. Uh, since I'm talking about clobbering comics here, uh, 120 West Dixie uh, Highway in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Or also you can go to Shepherdsville, uh, the can't remember the name of the shopping center, but it's across from the Walmart. You can't miss it because there's only one Walmart in Shepherdsville. And so <laughs> it's on the left and the shopping center is on the right. So there you go. So, yeah. So check out Clobbering Comics if you're in the Kentuckiana area. We'd love to see you. Another thing about the Mr. T cartoon was that the gymnastics team could not run or sprint away from any form of danger. They were, you know, if they had to move, they had to do a flip. And yes. here's a here's a picture in progress. So this is like they're, you know, stretching. They're about to flip. And then here's where they somehow managed to turn into human-sized volleyballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Here's where they continue that process until they form something that's reminiscent of Sonic the Hedgehog. That's how they avoid danger. <laughs> well, they, they are... If they if they want to survive, they must flip. And actually, there's actually some nice uh, cultural relevance to why they chose a gymnastics team for okay, the Okay, tell me, tell me, because I am curious. Uh, basically, uh, the uh, 1983 Summer Olympics. Gymnastics, okay. Gym- oh, that makes sense. Gymnastics were hot. hot, 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 hot okay. Hot. Uh, you know, here I am watching this show, and I'm like, for the love of Pete, why did they make him a gymnastics coach? <laughs> three and, three words, Kate. Mary Lou Retton. Okay. She was America's sweetheart. She could flip out her wazoo, and she was a champion. And there you go. I mean, she was she was the biggest thing, and so the the U.S. gymnastics team was big stuff, man. So they needed a, a vehicle to for the kids, some you know device to get them to get them around to solving mysteries, because you know a little show called Scooby Doo showed us that formula kind of works really well. Um, and yeah, there you go. It's like let's make them a gymnastics team, and Mr. T's their coach. Well, I think that Mr. T was the better show out of the two. I really yeah, feel like they should have had. Like, I, I know, you know, maybe licensing rights were in the way, maybe. But tell me this wouldn't rock. Tell me this wouldn't absolutely just make you ecstatic. Mr. T, Chuck Norris, on G.I. Joe, with Sergeant Slaughter. An epic team. I mean, that they would have made the show. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and uh, Aubrey's got a, a good question here. So, Mr. T won the tough man competition, tough man, the toughest man in the world in 1984. How old was everyone here then? 1984, folks. Uh, Were you alive? Two, two well, years old. My creator had not yet put pen to paper. I was my, eight. My, my, car- <laughs> my cartoon character was not yet invented at that time. Yeah, I I, I was eight years old. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kate, oh. you may it may have been a concept character at the time. <laughs> I, I'm sure there was a concept character for me back then. Yeah, you were a doodle. You were just a doodle. I was a doodle in the in the back of the of the mind of the great creator. Mm-hmm. Oh, Andrew's got another great comment here. If you want a list of Chuck Norris's enemies, just check the extinct species list. Hmm? Wait, Chuck killed all those animals? <laughs> That's terrible. 
Well, you know, wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that he's responsible for the dinosaurs, actually? He might be. Well, no, no, because no, we established that he was born in 1945. So it was hey, before. Hey, if anyone could time travel, it's probably <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, good point there. Yeah, yeah. You got a great that, that beard did mysteriously go missing sometime in the in early 2000s. So well, well you, you know what's under Chuck Norris's beard, don't you? <laughs> Another fist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Andrew also comments that uh, Chuck Norris can speak Braille. Andrew, you got like a whole joke book out there. Where, what are you doing, dude? He's 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 my he's giving me life right now here. So it's like fire. Oh, he's is, just is it, uh, rapid fire comments? This is one of my favorite Chuck Norris jokes here. Once a cobra bit Chuck Norris's legs. After five days of excruciating pain, the cobra died. I love it. I love it so much. Yep. No, that would have been, like, the plot of the G.I. Joe episode. Like, Chuck Norris would have had, like, some sort of anti-venom in his body that they needed to extract or something. <laughs> I could see that happening, and it would oh. be it would be amazing. <laughs> uh, Callie Hawkins has a question for everybody here. What's our favorite coffee brand? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to sidebar here. Um I'm kind of a, I'm a definitely like a dark roast kind of guy. I like you know coffee that no light can pass through. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I go more for Starbucks or Pete's or something like that. Um, there is a uh, a West Virginia uh, local roaster. Oh gosh, their name escapes me now. It used to be it used to be White Oak uh, uh, Roasters, uh, but I think they changed their name recently. But uh, anyway, they do a honeybee coffee, and it's, so it's basically it's a coffee that's also honey roasted. And so it's got a nice dark flavor to it. It's got that little bit of what, um, like honey roasted peanuts. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's a honey roasted coffee, but the honey is from West Virginia bees. So, uh, so it's yeah, yeah. So it's it's very a nice little tie. And of course, and my wife is from West Virginia, so there's a lot of West Virginia love in the house here. But, so she's uh, like related to the coffee in a way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I guess in the same way she's related to the Mothman, because he's from West Virginia. So, yeah. Oh, dude, now we got a topic. I love Mothman. <laughs> Who doesn't love Mothy? You know? He's great. Good old Indrid Cole. The good old Harbinger of Doom. <laughs> Man, I just, we could go all day on that. I don't Mothman. believe that he was a Harbinger. I, I think he was trying to warn people to stay off the bridge. and Harbinger of Doom? Well, he can still, I mean, harbingers are warnings, you know? Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not, he wasn't bringing the doom. Yeah, it <laughs> just kind of, bring the doom. he just told you about it, so, but they just give you a, a nice, fancy title, so, you could be, <laughs> har- be a harbinger of joy as well, you know? <laughs> Huzzah! But it doesn't sound, but harbinger of joy kind of doesn't, sounds a little it, it ominous, bring, so, you gotta, you know, it's bringer of joy, you know, so, anyway. Bringer of, I would rather, <laughs> harbinger sounds scary. <laughs> He was, he, he, I think he was the, everybody's lookout for, for stuff, and uh, sadly he didn't get he didn't get his uh, message heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you That's an on? episode of Cryptic Crunch right there. Uh, we did touch on. Uh, I, I felt like you did yeah. because of the way you were talking. I felt like we <laughs> did that already. But that's one. But to talk uh, about. we we are. I I would be willing to revisit if there's any new information about uh, where people have seen uh, Mothman, because apparently he's been hanging out in uh, in Chicago, New York. Interesting. I've got the Funko Pop. That's about it. <laughs> 
I got my wife the same one too. And uh, the Funko Pop I bought was actually from the Mothman Museum. So. Oh, nice. Ooh. No, I didn't get the official one. I got the one from like Fallout. Fallout. 76. Okay. Yeah. The the the, the official Mothman Pop is uh, a difficult to find and b a little pricey. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was looking into it. it. It was it was a birthday gift, so it was like. But oh, I yeah. also paired it with a jackal, so it's oh. got a friend. <laughs> right. I'm trying very hard not to collect pops because you know I have a couple of ones that you know I I'm still trying to get rid of. <laughs> trying hard—that's a fun way of putting it because it's like an addiction. You start with one, yeah. <laughs> you're never done. They kind of they kind of multiply. Right? <laughs> I, I've toned down my collection some, but I've still got I've got a few here. I've got some in the next room, and I've got some upstairs too. So. <laughs> Camera's just a little too high. I can't see what you're doing. Dave asks if the Mothman Funko Pop is attracted to lamps. That's a fun question, Dave. Actually, it's in my Hall of Pops, so it's got like these big old lights over it. So, I mean, it hasn't flown away yet, but we'll see. Yeah, Could my, happen. But, yeah, my camera's kind of high up, so you can't see some of my Funkos here. But the ones I've got here, I've got my three Thundar uh, figures here. Uh, I've got two different Ron Swansons. I've got the Duke Silver Ron Swanson, and I've got the drunk Ron Swanson with the little bitty uh, hat on there. Uh, and then I've got uh, my Kramer pop, where he's the detective Kramer. You know, I'm a good oh, cop. Wow. I'm a very good cop. Um, <laughs> and then I've got my uh, They Live John Nada. Uh, you know, he's basically all out of bubble gum, and he's you know, oh. ready, ready to kick butt. And then i got my Die Hard pop. And then I've got my two Conan the Barbarian pops. Uh, basically, the... Uh, Conan, who's uh, in his normal gear, but he's got a little bit of blood splatter on him, and then the Conan the Barbarian that's got the uh, camo paint on him when he's invading the orgy, ready to go kill everybody. <laughs> okay, so... That, that, that's, that was, that's what happened. It happened in the movie. <laughs> he, and his well, buddies, they, he and his buddies sneak into an orgy and kill everybody. We probably should get back on topic a little bit. <laughs> Fine. I'm just, I'm just trying to get off that bunny trail and bring it back. And to get us back here, Andrew Milton's got one more Chuck Norris joke. Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. That, I love that. I love that so much. Because it doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't. And Sherry uh, uh, Sherry Edgin, hopefully I have your pronunciation correctly there, says, yo, 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 hey, cartoon commotion, nice seeing you. She follows all of us. Thank you very much, Sherry. Uh, Pity the fool that doesn't follow cartoon commotion. Nice. Oh, booyah. Thank you for that plug. That was very nice. Yes. And now... You some sweet friends there, Cade. <laughs> oh, thank you. We, we do have some good friends over on Cartoon Commotion. Uh, now, let's see. We, where, God, there's so many good we? comments in here. Where were we on this show? <laughs> well, I got so derailed. We, we did, but we basically definitely discussed the comparisons between the two shows, and clearly Mr. T was the better show because it lasted more than one season. Uh, it was the you know, 30, what, 30... Two episodes? I, I think I left off on the flipping. <laughs> I left yes. off on the flipping. So one more note on that. The At one point, they were trying to stop this guy um, from releasing or, I guess, stealing a bacteria like a virus, like the coronavirus, like mm-hmm. a, a serious epidemic thing. And the two teenagers that were with Mr. T flipped over this handrail and jumped onto the head of the guy to try to, like, knock him down. But Mr. T, he had no time for flipping, so he kicked it. Well, yeah. And I love this shot because not only is it showing off how strong he is, 
but it's at the at the same time it's so unconventional. <laughs> and and I for th- that level of humor, it just it, it it really resonates with me because you could have just he has jumped things, many things. Yeah. He could have just tossed himself over that rail, but no. That rail had to go. There was no keeping that rail. Well, I just love that. It's like he's apparently the coach of a gymnastics team, but he himself does not perform any gymnastics. Oh, he did. He did like flip once, um, and and it showed that he could do the course. I think, <laughs> but like once, once in yeah. thirty episodes, one time. Well, this was within the confines of the first season, so you know, I mean, in the within the first season, he did flip. At least once. Yeah, and and Sherry uh, does comment and say, "Why not flip? She flips to avoid danger every day. <laughs> <laughs> flip like flip the channel, flip the page of the. I mean, I guess, I guess there's some flipping going on. Uh oh my god. But <laughs> go ahead. And, and let's not forget the quickest way to a man's heart is with Chuck Norris's fist. Wow. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew, like. Start sharing screenshots of this with like everyone. Like just just screenshot where you make the joke and share it and and tag us. That would be fun. <laughs> and Sherry L. Uh, Edgin says, "Why jump over the rail when you could utterly destroy it?" Mr. T negative one. Yep. Mr. T one rail zero. <laughs> that is that is awesome. That's the thing. There was nothing could get in Mr. T's way. You know, he nope. was just—he was a you know a successful pop culture phenomenon, and his train that could not be stopped. Well, actually, I think Jiggy had a point to make on this. Oh, well, we got to hear from oh. Jiggy. Dude. Oh yeah. All right, Jiggy. What 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 was that thing that you said earlier? Ah, <laughs> oh, I could not agree more, little buddy. The best line T said in the first season was, You don't need a key with Mr. T. <laughs> he says it right before ripping a door off of its hinges, and then there, w- there was like a jail cell door that he tore in half. He he pulled from the middle, and it was devastating. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the funny thing that kind of separated why we could get away with the, the the violence on the Mr. T show is that basically it was car- it was very cartoony it was superhuman there's no way people could normally do that sort of stuff George I think you just hit the nail on the head that explains the whole thing because you know there was a whole lot of violence in these these cartoons like in, in during the time they were really strict on that so that's the only thing that makes any sense it was so cartoonish and outlandish yeah. that they got away with it Mm-hmm. And of course, you know the kids. Even though you know they did, you know, get in dangerous situations, they were never in any real, like real life threatening danger. Much like the Scooby Doo gang, you know, they, were, they weren't going to be murdered or killed or maimed or anything like that. So there know. were some Scooby Doo monsters that got pretty close to being uh, threatening like that. And I was I, at the time when it, when I rewatched Where Are You, I was thinking that I was like, wow, they came oh. close to death on multiple occasions. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's definitely some that were scarier than others, sure. But, you know, again, you know, they, they got close, but no cigar. Well, that's that's the beauty of the Saturday morning cartoon is they, they weren't in genuine, you know, life-threatening danger. You, you could still come back to it. Mm-hmm. You could come back to it, feel wholesome and connected to these friends, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That was something that they had, definitely. Uh, did you know that Woody, uh, the... The one boy, uh, Woody, actually, I forget his last name, but he was voiced by Phil Lamar. 
Yeah, and wasn't that his first oh. gig or something like that? that was it his first... was. Yeah. And Toon fanatics everywhere should recognize him as the voice of Samurai Jack, Ooh. Static from Static Shock, and Green Lantern from the mm-hmm. DCAU. This role did not really do him any favors, <laughs> but but he, you know, you got to start somewhere, and I think, you know, for what he had to work with, he did a good job. Well, he started on a successful show too, so it's not too True. terribly bad. True. So that's the thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil, I mean, you know, of course, he's a noted comedic actor too, because I, you know, you also know him from Mad TV. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't do an animated series in the late '80s and throughout the entirety of the '90s, and even going into the 2000s without Phil Lamar being there somewhere. He's kind of he's almost kind of like a next generation Frank Walker, because Frank Walker was, you know, contractually obligated to be in every animated series until the end of time because he he's an immortal apparently. So you know, so Frank's just in every series ever. Um, so you know, that we just got to deal with that. So you know, there's, there's Frank Walker and Phil Lamar. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Did the mic fall down? No, no, I, I bumped my uh, my little uh, table here with my laptop on. It's so like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my <laughs> headphones were attached to it. No, no, actually, no, just my, my wailing uh, inflatable tube arm, arm here. So, <laughs> so I'm not. He, he tried to do a karate chop on his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Probably also worth mentioning that Tom Selleck did make a brief cameo. <laughs> well. "Quote unquote," Tom Selleck. Well, I think it was Tom Trenton. Tom, Tom Tr- Trent. I can't. Trenton, it. yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Trenton. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, but he's a, a famous, you know, a movie star, and it was basically a white dude with his shirt unbuttoned there and a big old mustache. So it was as like, soon Gee. as I saw him, I'm like, "Is that Tom Selleck?" Yeah, that's Tom Selleck. <laughs> that's gotta be Tom Selleck. And mm-hmm. then you know, I shared it with Johnny, and he confirmed that that was definitely done on purpose. Yep. So. We got it, you know, straight from the uh, cartoon aficionado, Saturday morning cartoon aficionado. So, and here's here's a fun uh, aside for you. That's another kind of like a celebrity was so popular, somebody wanted to use them, but they didn't have the exact rights. Uh, issue twelve of Transformers of the Marvel comic had the Transformers uh, saving a rock concert for being interrupted by Megatron and the Decepticons. The rock concert was Bruce Springsteen and the 11th Street Group. <laughs> okay, I mean, that was clever. And, it, I mean, and they performed such hits as Born to Walk and Dancing in the Night. And, uh, you know. Well, I don't have it here, but there was another instance of this that I saw in the first episode of Gem and the Holograms. Oh, yeah. Where they reference Crocodile Dundee without without name, without but it's like he's spot on like image for image looks just like Crocodile Dundee. But see that's the thing, is that that's how big some of these people were in their pop culture reach that you would just make references to stuff and people knew what you were talking about. Yep. So <laughs> uh, some other comments here we've got. Um, let's see here. Oh hang on. Oh, we got to talk. Sherry says that Jiggy's the cutest pig ever, and will he be playing his banjo today? Uh, no, not today. He's not ready. He doesn't have it tuned up. But he oh. did. He Say did no do a little bit of something in the intro. So if you want to catch the replay, it was briefly in there, <laughs> and and he learned some new notes. So oh, you got to check that out. Uh, well, he will be making you know an appearance in our conversation of GI Joe there, George. Sweet. Yeah. And he might have even learned how to play the theme song. Oh. 
That would be I cool. believe it was the movie version. Okay. So okay. that's that was interesting. That, okay. He, yeah, went the, he, he went for the went for the longer show. Okay. Well, <laughs> he was he was in the living room watching that for so long, just trying to get the keys the the notes right. I'm no I'm no musician, so Jiggy, I leave that up to him. <sighs> I mean. Playing the banjo is no, no easy thing, so I respect to Jiggy on that one here. Not to mention, I think he's the only pig that ever picked it up, and like, I mean, I don't know another pig that has. I don't either, so. but I don't know. I don't know many cartoon pigs. I mean, it's like him and like Orson from, uh, um, oh, can't remember. It There's, was Garfield and Friends. Garfield and Friends, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, Jiggy and Orson the pig. That's that's it. That's all. I one got. of Jiggy's favorites, but he actually prefers the Garfield segments. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, and Aubrey uh, reminds us that Mr. T also did a voice in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I have not seen that. So. Wait, was that him? I didn't know that was him. I okay. Mean, it was like a police officer that had a very funny Oh, very funny okay, voice. cool. I bet that was but, him, yeah. But I had no idea that was him. That's interesting. Uh, and Dave Mattingly saying that Phil Lamar voices everything. He's probably voicing me right now. <laughs> Yeah, and also Dave was commenting that Frank Welker has 895 voice credits. That's incredible. 895 people. Wow. Good Lord. <sighs> yeah, so that's... Yeah, like I said, there, there's some great vocal uh, performers out there with cartoons and animation. Unfortunately, Chuck Norris was not one of them. No. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it just, he always sounded just bored and confused with everything <laughs> he's doing. Even yeah. like, yeah, he was like, hey, you guys handle the dignitaries and make sure they're safe. I'm going to go get too much. Yeah, basically, that the was the whole show. kicked in, didn't they? <laughs> that was the whole show. was like, so cardboard cut out and stale. Yeah. Like, at, at least Chuck's with Mr. Xanax. T, at least with Mr. T, we had some personality. Like, it's yes. actually interesting. In the crossword mystery episode of the first season of Mr. T, we find out that Miss Bisbee, the bus driver, was like, she she had like a degree in science and like she she's a really educated woman. And she's and, a bus driver. And she's a bus driver. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like th- these characters actually had more depth, more things going for them than they're a team of commandos that don't actually have any you know, interests outside of... Well, I mean, Tabi, the um, sumo wrestler, stereotypically liked to eat. Well, I mean, sumo wrestlers kind of have to, like, eat all the time to maintain that size. But it was just like, when are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? When are we going to... That was the joke. (laughs) Well, it actually, you you brought... uh, You, uh, on your cartoon commotion, uh, actually had a really good kind of pop culture tie-in with Too Much and the origin of that name. Yes, I did a short on that, and it it relates to Scooby-Doo. Do you want to do that? Do you want to tell them about that? I'm sure. Okay, I was going to let you do it, but sure, if you want well, to Well, I want to see if you paid attention, so go ahead. Okay, well, basically, <laughs> um, in the impetus for Scooby-Doo, when they're basically coming up with the, you know, the concept for the show and names for the characters, whatever else, a popular name that came up and was almost going to be used for Scooby-Doo was too much. Ultimately, it was decided, that doesn't work, we went with Scooby-Doo. Fast forward many years, and we have another Ruby Spears show with Chuck Norris, and that same producer still had this name in his back pocket that he wanted <laughs> to use, 
And so we get the Asian child sidekick who's very much like Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones. The I was going to mention that. Good. But they decided there he to... is. Um, well, wait, that's nope. the wrong show. Hang on. There we there go. There he is. There right he is, beside yes. him on the left there. And see, look, he's even wearing a ball cap, just like Short Round did. But I he's wearing... why. Yeah, he's wearing a karate gi, so... Uh, but yeah, so anyway, but uh, so they decided, let's give him the name Too Much, and then he also constantly says, that's too much, as a catchphrase. So he's definitely going down as one of the most annoying... Uh, that kid gave himself a nickname. <laughs> I believe it. Okay, so I find it ironic that Scooby-Doo says his name as a catchphrase, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, and then you get Too Much, who says his name as a catchphrase, Too Much. But see, here's here's the thing... That like they weren't accounting for. Scooby Doo says it. It's cute. Too much says it. It's annoying. It, it, it's fine when an animal does it because well we we've seen that with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But it's annoying when a human does it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I mean it's like uh, an animal talking is a novelty, but a human talking is common. I mean. And, and, the, and the interesting thing is that, you know, Chuck Norris doesn't say his own name, but everybody else says it like 45 times. <laughs> yeah. So that's so Chuck doesn't have a catchphrase. Everyone else's catchphrase is Chuck Norris. That, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. That, that's something they did. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Dave Manningly says, Miss Bisbee didn't go all those years of bus driving college to neglect science. <laughs> So. The and science I, of bus driving. And I also kind of wonder why there was no like romantic tie-in with Miss Bisbee and Mr. T. Well... Why, I mean, they're, they're the only two adults on that bus with a bus full of children. Well, like, there's this one time I, I, I kind of got a kick out of Miss Bisbee because there was this avalanche that these goons dropped on their bus to try to keep them from moving. <laughs> uh, I got to remember which episode that was, but Bisbee is like, that's... That looks awfully heavy, awfully heavy, Mr. T. And Mr. T's, like, pushing on a boulder to try to remove... And he's, like, struggling, you know, one of the few occasions where he struggles to show how strong he is. Yeah. And and he's like, it ain't a marshmallow, Bisbee! <laughs> and I, I got a kick out of that because, you know, I mean... I, I probably watched that twice. <laughs> I probably watched that same scene twice just because it's so... <laughs> It, it ain't a marshmallow, like, it's obvious it's heavy. Why are you commenting on the fact that it's heavy? And and that's what they did a lot in these shows, was, like, they would point out these obvious things, and it would be more humorous if you, you know, treated it as though it wasn't obvious. Yeah, and Aubrey brings up my point. Was there ever any romance in Mr. There T? was! Was there? There was! Oh. Multiple Ooh. episodes, actually. Uh, I think it was uh, probably... Riddle of the Runaway Wheels, that was the last episode I watched, uh, last episode of season one, where Robin, the main uh, girl character, hang on, I'll find that picture. That's right! Robin's the one on the right there, just barely obscured by Kim. Uh, Kim is the one with the ultra-photographic memory, but Robin is like the unofficial leader of their their crew. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like trying to get with Jeff, she was trying to, she was trying to be in a relationship with Jeff, and Jeff was like acting Oblivious. too good for her and stuff. He's he's <laughs> very much full of himself. But ironically, <laughs> Jeff became my favorite character in the show because he was like the only one with the most personality. 
like out of the out of the kids, Jeff was the most interesting to me because he seemed to have a lot of um, a lot of personality more more so than any of the other ki- kids in the very group. true yeah. Oh, and Dave Mangley comments: There was never any romance on Chuck Norris because Cupid's arrow snapped in half against his skin. <laughs> that is true. But you know, one thing that Chuck Norris show did do first before Scooby Doo got the chance was Zombie Island. Oh yes! Believe it or not, the very last episode, the fifth episode in a long line of episodes mm-hmm. of Chuck Norris, the very, very last one, was uh, was. Hang on, I need the title. It was like um, Undead Island or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Now, do you it remember what the... Island what, of the Walking Dead. Yes, okay. Now, do, you, do you remember what the, uh, the message to the kids was all about for that particular episode? Was that the violence one? Nope. Oh, goodness. This I one can't was even about, remember. This one was about being yourself. Right. Don't let other people influence you to do things you don't want to do. But Be see, this who is, you are. This is how much those messages <laughs> did not connect with me on this in, in Chuck Norris. The, right. Okay, so the morals really did connect with me on Mr. T. But on because Chuck Norris. Because they tied them in. <laughs> yeah. On Chuck Norris, that, I mean, okay, Be Yourself, one of, Super Ninja, the second in command villain for mm-hmm. the Vulture crew. Yeah. was left on the island of the undead, the mm-hmm. walking dead, to yeah. die. Mm-hmm. And they all live happily ever after. He wanted to be a zombie. Be yourself. Be let yourself, that, Super let, Ninja. Let that freak flag fly, even <laughs> if that flag is undead. It's so. not dead flag. <laughs> I can only imagine what the undead flag looks like. It's got a lot of holes in it. <laughs> that would be fun, actually. Like, mm-hmm. there's probably a zombie culture out there that has one of those. There might be. You know, I mean, you, you, in Australia, you can vote as a Jedi. But real quick about Chuck Norris, let's talk about how ironic the episode titles are. So, like, Deadly Dolphin was the first episode. Mm-hmm. The dolphins weren't deadly. Mm-mm. They were hardly even half deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh Target Chuck Norris was the second episode. <laughs> the bounty on his head lasted for maybe the first three minutes the rest of the episode had nothing to do with it right uh terror train that's the one i saw most of the episode did not actually involve the train right yeah i don't remember a train in much of the episode at all menace from space the menace was actually trying to get to space mm-hmm. they they did not come from space they didn't come from space they were yeah, trying, yeah. they were trying to get into space to use and often they would try to use things that the good guys made as weapons against the good guys. Like, the, the bad guys would just come in and take some weapon. Like, in Deadly Dolphin, for some reason, they had an, a sea lab that could control tsunamis? Like, why? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't expect much from cartoons of, of this caliber, but I do expect a little bit more of a connection. Something that just makes... Gotta tie it in some way. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Why did you decide to make a laboratory that could cause tsunamis? <laughs> just, just why? Maybe you're a real estate mogul and trying to clear some, you know, beachfront property. Maybe I don't know. You know? I think maybe they just thought it sounded like fun. Maybe they're it, just like, I need, a, I need to surf, and I don't have waves. They went to the Gene Hackman School of uh, Comic Book Villainry, and all comic book villainry involves real estate schemes. 
Oh, boy. And then the very last episode, Island of the Walking Dead, is the only one that actually features truly what it's talking about, an Island of the Walking Dead. Walking Dead, Dead. yeah, yeah. And I thought the whole time, I thought they're going to pull a Scooby-Doo on this. They're going to they're gonna say, like, this isn't real, there's something... Mes- yeah. They are genuinely fighting zombies. Mm-hmm. And, like, you don't even know where most of the zombies are coming from. They're like a pig, some, some voodoo guy throws a feather in and they pop out. And it's like, okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that scene in Lord of the Rings where like, somebody drops like, you know, uh, or, 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 no, no, it was, it's the, the, uh, the, the bug spies are like going down into the orc hole and you're seeing like uh, the orcs and the goblins all digging and mining <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And it just keeps going further and further down. And it's like, and then basically they all start coming up out of the hole and everything. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and Dave Mangley asks us, can we think of any better use for a sea lab than making tsunamis? Yeah, maybe like five. Oh, maybe well, five, at least. That, you know, studying easy. undersea life. Um, Putting actually, lasers on dolphins. Preventing tsunamis would be fun. That, that a, would be nice. That is entirely too useful. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I, well, who am I, why am I thinking like this? Come on, this is a cartoon. This is like stupid stuff. You're Stupid right. Stupid stuff. It needs to be the most ridiculous thing ever, so therefore, it should a, have nothing to do with water. I need a laser rifle that can toast sandwiches. Do that in C-Lab. See? Well, I mean, why not use a, you know, a, a toaster oven or well, an air fryer? What if, the, what if the water is powering your laser? Do C- that in C-Lab. Free hydroelectricity. Sea-powered laser <laughs> rifle for toasting uh, uh, sandwiches. Willow, you're starting to think with common sense again. That doesn't work. <laughs> that's that's a, that's some Steve Jobs thinking right there, Willow. I'm patting that stuff right now. I Get think it was, on that. I think it was actually Menace from Space. we got to talk about this because we're talking, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. A Menace from Space episode of Chuck Norris. <laughs> yes. There's, this is a picture of a yes. gator in a um, parachute. parachute. Parachuting down to try and kill Chuck Norris uh-huh. in what is like a NASA, like, like a NASA building, and that's so cool. He, he repels in from the parachute through the window and crumbs, uh-huh. cr- crumbs crashing in. But the thing is, like in the parachute, he's sitting like a man. Like he's got he's got arms and legs, and he's in the he's in the parachute like a man would be. But then when he goes through the window, he becomes a regular gator. Yeah. And it, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't dislike this. This actually made the episode for me. I otherwise hated it. <laughs> this, this was the best part. And honestly, if they did more ridiculous stuff like this, I actually might have enjoyed Karate Commandos a little bit more. You know, I ask myself, why is there not more Gator parachuting in cartoons? <laughs> you know, I just there, there really needs to be a lot more of it. Well, it was like a guy that trained Gators to like, like, like as a hitman or something. Uh, I see. Uh, actually, Dave Mangley has a good point there. He's a pitch black gator, so he's a ninja gator. Well, it was it was at night. I couldn't change the. Yeah, <laughs> no, I couldn't nin- change the way it looked. Ninja, ninja gator. He is very We're... black, though. I mean, See? that is a very black gator. Ninja gator, I'm telling you. That's true. You know, and Mr. T, he wrestled gators. He wrestled sharks. He, the dude wrestled a forklift and won. That's true. <laughs> and that was uh, fade out at fifty thousand feet. If you want to check that out, oh that my was... god! <laughs> well, folks, I hate to ruin the party here, but it's ten fifteen, and I gotta go yep. open the shop here in a little bit. So I'm gonna have to bust out of this party here. Well, it's oh. good having you, George. 
Thank you, guys. Uh, it, it's been a blast. I love it. Want to tell people where they can find you before you te- before you head off? Thank you. Yes, I'd love to. Uh, Fanatic Forum is my show, live Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are live on Facebook and YouTube, uh, so you can check us there live, interact with the show, tell us all about your takes on whatever we're talking about that week. Uh, but if you don't get to tune in live, you can check out Fanatic Forum anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Who's It, What's It, MySpace, you know, wherever the case may be. You know, uh, Leaf, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever social media platform you listen to uh, podcasts on, everybody on the back of Serial Box Network is on there. And George, you and I have to get together and do an episode on Fantastic Four because you you definitely have some very spot-on opinions with Fantastic Four there, man. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Yes, we will, we will certainly do that. So. Oh, and there's a, one more note for you before you head out. Uh, Andrew Milden says, Chuck Norris's belly button is actually a power outlet. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know, that's where they got the energy to make his cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> and it can also charge cell phones. I hear. <laughs> it can. So, uh, well, back th- like he was probably the inventor of the wireless charger, right? Possibly, yeah. I mean, Chuck Norris is a green power source. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, ladies and gents, it has been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on the back of the cereal box. It's been a blast. No problem. Thank Always a pleasure us. talking to you guys. You guys, you all take care. I'm going to bounce, and uh, we'll see y'all later. Later, George. Bye. All right. I guess we should close up the show. Uh, Cade, where can we find you on uh, social media and your well, wonderful I, show? I am Cartoon Commotion on everything. Cartoon Commotion on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube is where you know my home base is for most of everything I do in terms of my show. So if you want to catch that live and join in on the comments, you can do it there. We're also going live on Twitter and Facebook, but that's pretty much where everybody collects. So if you want to check that out, uh, nearly at 800 subscribers there, so don't miss out. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I'm going to have a show on June 17th. That's next Saturday, Top Cat. Mentioned that earlier, but, you know, in case everybody missed it, um... It's going to be on Top Cat, The Value of Life. So that's going to be interesting. And then The Tick. And that's called Random Ticks. That's on June 24th. And we're going to be discussing kind of the variations of the Tick character and how it differs from one variation to another. Uh, But Top Cat, I think, you know, don't pass up on that because that's going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people hear Top Cat and they think that it's another basic Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Trust me, it's not. In my opinion, the Top Cat cartoon is the most sophisticated, or one of the most sophisticated, Hanna-Barbera cartoons there is. So, I hope that you tune in for that. Thank you for having me. It's been a great time. Oh, no problem at all. Uh, Andrew here uh, with one of our, our last comments. I can't believe I was able to keep the Chuck Norris jokes going for an hour. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, you got like bucket loads of of Chuck Norris jokes. You got to send more. Like post them all day, tag us in them. It'll be it'll be great. <laughs> all right, you guys can find me all over social media. I am the social media socialite. Uh you can uh please tune into Cryptid Crunch as well. Uh we'll be on next Sunday. This Sunday, uh, well tomorrow, please tune in to Ice Cream Queens. I can't wait to see what they have in store for us. Um so yeah, you 
like, share, uh, follow us uh, wherever you can you know, find us. And <laughs> jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. Yes, I love, love this it. episode. Thanks, Willow and Kate. No problem, Aubrey. No problem at all. Glad um, we're here. I'm gonna play our uh, sponsors. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. All right. And with that, I will say farewell. Have a good day. Keep it unreal, everybody.